We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vincent intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 315. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. What's going on? It's another edition of Red is the New Orange. Johnny Gadamowitz, Ian Unsworth with you on hand as always. And Ian, I'm going to be completely honest. We're two guys graduated from Syracuse last year. We've been going to games, we've been covering games, broadcasting games. I'm not sure throughout our four years there, I ever had a feeling of, man, that was a game I really wish I attended and was at in person, whether it be covering it in any sort of broadcasting capacity or as a fan. Saturday's game made me feel that way. And sure enough, coming alive from Syracuse right now arrived Saturday night. If it was a Saturday night game, probably would have been in the building, but that's neither here nor there. That was a contest as Syracuse takes down Miami, a Quadir Copeland three-point buzzer beater, that you feel like you're missing out if you're not in the building. To see the energy, to see the way it all came together, and to have a guy in Quadir Copeland who seemingly has become everybody's new favorite player this year, put the icing on the cake with a three-pointer for the win, it's a fitting way for Syracuse to take a really exciting game. It was a fantastic game winner. To your point, Johnny, Syracuse hadn't won these close games over the past three, four years. It was always a mistake here, a turnover there. Uh, they can't get the ball in bounce. Small stuff like that. And when plays needed to be made, Syracuse made the plays, and they responded to multiple Miami runs 
especially late down the stretch when Miami couldn't miss. Keyshawn George banks in that three, and you're like, oh, you just just got that feeling in your gut, like, man, they're not going to win this one. And for us, especially as people that went to Syracuse, but were journalists, we never had a fan relationship where we got to go sit in the dome and really just take it in. There was always an ulterior motive. And now that I'm out of school, I have no direct connection to anything going on student media-wise on campus. I find it easier to just sit there and really take it in for what it is. And I I was rooting for them. I I can't remember myself really throwing my fists. I mean, I was in my kitchen making broccoli cheddar soup, and I'm clapping and jumping and throwing my fists like – I really got into this game because it was think, just so good on both sides. I think it, I think it's more – I think you bring up a really good point there, Ian, but I think it's even more than just the fact that, okay, we're not covering this team anymore per se in a broadcasting capacity, obviously, beyond this podcast. This team is fun. This team is fun. That That's what I was going to say, right? Like I can't remember a team over the course of the past couple of years that was so easy to get behind and was so easy to root for. And yeah, there's been some drama here and there, even this year. There always will be. That's just the state of sports and the state of college athletics as a whole. But this team is really likable. And I don't know what it is. I can't exactly put my finger on it. Maybe it is guys like Copeland and Malik Brown who just play, you know, a a really pretty style of basketball, let's call it. Maybe it is a new head coach in Red Autry, who everybody likes and seems to have the guys bought in. Maybe it is having a superstar in Judah Mintz that now has a year under his belt and everybody is familiar with. But something about this team, and I know they've yet to go out there and really win a huge game, right? Like, this is a good win. Um, But, you know, Miami was down their best player, right? Norchad O'Meara did not play in this game. There's a guy who's capable of going, you know, 17 and 17 on any given night. And I think, Ian, you know, not to rain on the parade here, but if you would have told both of us that Norchad O'Meara was not going to play in this basketball game prior to it getting going, we would have wanted Syracuse to be able to win this game by more than just a buzzer beater, yeah. right? But you got to win the games. You got to take advantage of the situations that are brought in front of you. And the Orange did that. Um, and I give them a lot of credit. I think I'd say this is probably the biggest win since I want to say NC State last year, right? I think that was a ranked 22-23 Wolfpack team at home a year ago that was kind of down to the wire. Uh, but it, it it definitely reignites a confidence level, I know for me, where now, you know, going forward, you know that you still deserve to at least be in the conversation, if not anything else. Yeah, before we get into the game flow, let's hit on some other small minutia for a second. Yeah. Uh, students were back, first game with the crowd. There goes my alarm. Bad form for me. Either way, students are back, and you get a big win like that with everyone coming back to campus. There will be great crowds, at least of the SU student body, for the next two home games. That's guaranteed because people see that and they want to be a part of it. Even Second if of it all, it is on a Tuesday night. I think exactly be a big crowd. Yep. Football team, new recruits are there, new guys on campus, and also a lot of prospects. So for all you Syracuse football fans out there that are praising Fran Brown, that that win was a 
big part of it because the crowd was whipped into a frenzy. I think they had Kyle McCord doing the t-shirt toss. If I'm not, I wouldn't mistaken. be surprised. Keep yeah. keep that shoulder healthy, Kyle. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, so McCord was there, Fran Brown was there. Um, it, the, I think the best way to describe it is is the vibes were maybe at an all-time high that they were r- this year. Uh, it, the Dome was rocking, and it had a level of energy. And there's some exciting things coming up, too. Like, you know, they'll have the Bayheim game where they will honor him beforehand. You know, you got a, you got a Joe Girard homecoming that I'm sure is going to be a hostile crowd ready to go against a pretty good Clemson team. So reason for excitement and reason to – you know, really look forward to the course of the next couple of weeks for the Orange. Hitting on the game, Ian, um, I think something that has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle amidst all the talk and everybody breaking down this game is the fact that Syracuse took care of the basketball. And granted, turnovers haven't been a, a huge problem for this team this year, particularly relative to Syracuse teams of years past. They only turn the ball over eight times. When you prioritize making sure you're not giving it away and you are maximizing your possessions, especially for a team, Ian, that this is not a great offensive rebounding team, right? You don't need us to tell you how this team lacks size right now, right? So you've got to find a way to make sure that in light of that, you're still getting as many, if not more, possessions as your opponent and as many, if not more, opportunities to put the ball in the hoop. How do you do that? By turning the ball over only eight times. And if that number is a little bit higher, this is a completely different basketball game. I credit the guards, Judah, Copeland, Starling, who had another masterful performance two in a row now from JJ, for putting Syracuse in a position to go punch for punch because offensively you really got that sense of rhythm and the Miami defense just wasn't able to come up with any takeaways. Yeah, I mean, that for the first minute or two, it was like, what the heck? Like two easy baskets at the rim, 
a couple turnovers in there. Miami was up like 8-2, 10-2 or something yeah. like that. And then they got it figured out. In the context of the turnover thing and extra possessions, think about the other, I guess, offensive shortcoming that leads to fast breaks. Long rebounds. A lot of the times, if you miss a three, the ball is going to catapult or carry them off the rim. Yep. And the opposing team can pick it up and beat you down the floor. Matthew Cleveland got probably half of his 16 points on just beating Syracuse down the floor by himself because he covers that much ground. But when you make 12 three-pointers and only 13 two-pointers, then you're going to keep Miami in check because they have to take the ball out of bounds. It's, it's a very small thing, but making sure Nigel Pack can't get that head start and kind of he looked he looked like one of those he looks like one of those little wind-up toys man like you get them all geared up and he just right down the floor until he kind of gets set like this and puts that three up yeah he he went kind of nuts in the he's, second he's half really but, good he, yeah he is, he is a player he can ball and i the syracuse fans knew that i mean he's, mm-hmm. he's got a new face he'll probably be, he'll probably be really good in in europe or somewhere i don't know if he's got a real shot at the nba but man oh like again, when he started making those shots, and then George, George is going to be a real problem. Like that, so he's from Switzerland, right? And the thing I kind of noticed about his game is that he's got that. Like, I'm not saying he's Luka Doncic, nowhere close, right. obviously. But European dudes play like with a strange tempo. Like they can go slower than other people and just wait for you to make a mistake. Where Miami had success was going at Chris Bell. And when you get Chris Bell on pack, who's going to run past him, and then late in the game, you're trying to give, you know, you're trying to get a matchup. You figure, all right, this freshman is playing on the road in the dome yep. with a loud crowd. He's probably not going to be the guy with the ball. And Jim Laranaga, to his credit, it's like, dude, you're wrong. This guy can hoop. And he, George is just patient. He waits for Bell to make a mistake and then hits him with a crossover, gets to the rim. So what kept Miami in this game, even though they didn't have Norchad, was just the fact that Miami's guards are older and better, and they move the ball well. The other thing, we can we can play the no Norchad hypothetical game, but if Wuga Poplar doesn't miss most of the first half with two fouls, no trouble. Yep. Yep. yeah, this, again, completely different ball game. So even though Miami was missing a couple pieces, like, they're still a really good team and can really score. And Syracuse doesn't defend the paint well. So there you have it. Yeah, Miami had 38 points in the paint to Syracuse's 22. So a guard-heavy team taking advantage down low, getting to the rim. Syracuse yeah, and there's, there's, like, there's not much Syracuse can do game plan-wise, if we're right. being completely honest. It's not like they could have covered the screen different. or like, No, individual guys just got beat. Yeah, my, my, If you're playing pickup ball, Miami's got three or four dudes you're you want on your team every single time that's the style they like to play they're embracing it and it's worked well I mean it got them to the final four last year and obviously a pretty good start to this year all things considered um for Syracuse and JJ Starling got to talk about him team high 22 points eight of 13 I'd like to formally apologize to JJ too we've been getting after him a little bit for his lack of a three-point shot he sticks it in our face and goes six for 10 from range to prove that he is capable of stepping beyond the arc when he needs to as well. 
And I thought it was really interesting. I'll, I'll give a little shout out here to uh, to the original home of the Orange, WAER, tuning into the student radio broadcast on Saturday during my drive up to Syracuse. And every pregame show, um, the station has a chat with Alan Griffin, uh, the assistant coach of Syracuse, obviously. And, you know, he was posed the question of, you know, J.J. coming off a really nice game against Pitt. You know, how important is he and how much better does this offense become when J.J. is kind of doing his thing and at his best like he was? And it was maybe one of the happiest I've ever heard Alan Griffin in terms of (laughs) his um, passion and his, I don't want to say body language because it's radio, but you can imagine him getting excited talking about it. And I think JJ is really now starting to find a groove Um, for whatever reason, you know, we've, we've kind of speculated at it over the course of the year. It's, it's taken a little while, but I think we're at that point now, Ian, where it, it even just not even the numbers, just from an eye test standpoint, looks comfortable. Right. Looks like he kind of now knows his role. He played 35 minutes, practically the full game. Right. Um, You know, Judas had a couple games back to back now where from the floor he hasn't had the best night. And I think that's opened up a window and maybe even more of a willingness from a JJ standpoint to kind of find a way to score. However, it might be because when Judah is only scoring 10 and is three of 11, this team's going to need offense elsewhere. So I give him a lot of credit for recognizing that and, you know, for kind of really, it feels like improving here with each game. And the JJ improvement comes on the back of Judah's 13 assists career high for him because Miami without Omir was so concerned about protecting the paint. And everyone knows Judah Mintz is going to go right at you and try to get you to commit a foul or let him swing past you that JJ was left alone. And Syracuse made Miami pay, whether it was Starling or whether it was Bell. I mean, Chris Bell hit some big shots, too, down the stretch. Yep. But both of, both of them got wide open looks because Miami was very concerned about protecting the paint. And I can't recall many of J.J.'s buckets coming at the rim. Most of them were three-pointers or the, the one-two dribble pull-up mid-range that you talked about after the last win. And he's just getting more and more comfortable playing away from the rim. Six of his eight made buckets on the night were from three-point land. He only had two two-pointers. So, yeah, you're right. I think he, yeah, I think he had one layup. Yeah. So, good for him for adding that to his game. Um, not to say that it hasn't been there, but but we've certainly mm. seen it more over the course of the past couple. And then we got to talk about the hero, too, Ian and Copeland. And, you know, I I give this guy a ton of credit, man. I mean, you think about last year playing behind Judah and Joe and even at times Symeer, like, and then Starling coming in this year, like, he stuck it out, right? He kind of went through it and, you know, recognized that maybe it wasn't going to be the biggest role, but that there was still a role for him on this team. And he's embraced that, and I think now he's really starting to see the fruits of his labor. Um, you know, for for him to have the year he had last year as a freshman that obviously showed some bright spots, but you kind of wondered where he fits. I think, Ian, this year, he's that perfect third guard on this team, right? And I think that's something Syracuse has kind of almost lacked over the course of the past couple of years, right? Like last year, you know, you saw Samir's minutes kind of shrink and they were weird. And the year before that, 
you know, you Torrance was still there too, obviously, and, and would play maybe more minutes than he probably should have. And Copeland was only a freshman last year, so there was some hesitancy from a Bayheim standpoint to throw him out there. If he made a mistake, you would pull him on the bench quickly. Like, I can't remember the last time that Syracuse was really had had three strong options in the backcourt that they felt very good about. Right. I'm trying to think if you go if we go back to the Alan Griffin player days. Right. I mean, who would it be then? I mean, I guess Joe and Alan Griffin and who was the third guard on that? I guess it was Samir. Right. So, like, I don't know. I just I feel like this team has backcourt options. And in the way that this game is trending, that's something that is really exciting, especially because it's not like they're just sharpshooters. Right. In fact, the opposite. They're not. It would be one thing if there were three guys that can just shoot the three and not do a whole lot else. But they're three guys who can do a lot of different things and have length and can lock down on D and can sprinkle in some threes here and there when you need him to. Quidier works best when other players can create space for him. Yep. And once he entered the game, it was already established that hey, and Chris Bell had already hit a three. J.J. Starling had already hit a three. And there was a bit of space starting to creep in there in the cracks of the Hurricane defense. So... Copeland will always do something wild and crazy. I'd say the three-pointer right now is at the top of the list. But we can't... The the first half, fast break, underhanded shovel pass out to Bell in the corner. That that led to the Starling three in the wing. Oh, oh my gosh. Every single game with Quidier, whether it's some ridiculous... It's an and one. it's, It's a pass like that. He does something different that wows you every single time. And every uh, every broadcast is talking about his you know his he grow he grew up on the playgrounds of Philadelphia and that's where he learned to you know but to have the guts to keep doing that in college is is a whole nother thing than you know, hooping with your buddies in the neighborhood. And credit to the coaching staff even though last year Quidier made a lot of mistakes and he didn't play a whole lot of minutes. And this year, he still made a bunch of mistakes, but still giving him the freedom to play with the creativity that he has. Because if you try to rein that in, Quidier's confidence shrinks, and he doesn't have the the metal to take that last second three-pointer or do something wacky, like throw it under his armpit. You need to have players like that to keep your team fun. You got to let him do his thing. And so far, as you mentioned, Ian, this coaching staff certainly has let him. He, he doesn't finish with a great final line, only two of nine. But anytime you play hero ball and make the game-winning three-pointer, we, uh, you know, you can't get six rebounds, six free throws. Yeah, give him, give him, give him that too. He got to the line as well. So Syracuse now will get back-to-back opponents from the Sunshine State. Next up for the Cues, they take on the Florida State Seminoles in the Dome on Tuesday. But before we hit on FSU, let's get a message from BetMGM. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl. 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. 
Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Seminoles up next for Syracuse. It comes Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, inside the Dome, as the Orange now continue this stretch of home games. We talked about it last podcast, six of their next eight in central New York. Certainly a time to take advantage, but Ian, it won't be an easy task against Florida State, an FSU squad that is going to come into the Dome a little hungry. They just had a five-game winning streak snapped at the hands of Clemson at home. So Florida State perhaps playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They did just take down Miami by nine last week. I know it's always interesting to play the you know, common opponents game and doesn't necessarily always line up. You're a math guy, John, at the transverse property. Oh, yeah. We're looking at the transitive property, whatever you want to call it. But yes. Yeah. I mean, Florida State's been playing well. And again, another opportunity for Syracuse that isn't really against one of these top tier ACC teams, but a team that feels like it's in that four to eight or nine area that I would say Syracuse is in right now, where all of those teams seem pretty interchangeable as far as any kind of power rankings are concerned. Yeah, Florida State's 82nd right now in Ken Palm, and Syracuse is in the mid-70s. So there's not too much variance in there. Another typical Leonard Hamilton team where he's got 9 or 10 guys averaging over 12 minutes a game, and on any given night, some different guy will show up and and give you a, a decent amount of scoring. There's... There's no one guy on this team that'll knock you out, though. And that's that's the key thing. Their best player, scoring-wise, is Primo Spears. Name sounds familiar because he played for Georgetown last year on the sinking ship sailed by Patrick Ewing. Uh, but he had some big buckets against Miami. And his main thing will be getting to the mid-range and then getting to the cup. 
and using his mid-range jump shot to develop some lanes to the basket because he's only 5 of 23 from 3 this year. As a whole, this Florida State team is terrible from behind the arc, shooting a bit under 33%. The only guy that can really knock it down is Darren Green. So I think Syracuse has to put a bit more effort into packing it in and trying to protect the paint, especially as FSU comes to Syracuse on the road. Because, yes, FSU's individual players are good, but I think the rim is the most important thing here. One of the things I find interesting looking at some of these Ken Palm numbers is they are 135th in the nation in offense, yet they are top 50 in tempo. 46 in tempo. So for a team that has struggled to put the ball in the hoop, they still like to run. They still like to try to beat you in transition and and get out on the fast break, but that hasn't necessarily boded well for them. And I think, you know, you mentioned the Leonard Hamilton teams that usually pride themselves on the defensive end of the court. That's no different with this year's Florida state squad. They're a top 45 Ken Palm defense So I think for me, I'm interested to see from a Syracuse standpoint of how do they match up against this gritty FSU defense, right? Is this a game where you just need a Judah takeover or you need a Chris Bell knocking down five or six threes? What happens if that doesn't happen, right? Can you ride a similar formula to the Miami game where, okay, Judah's a little bit off. Let's say maybe J.J. cools off a little bit, bound to come back to earth after the past two performances that he has had. What is the response offensively from the Orange if things are not so easy and baskets are not as easy to come by as they have been over the course of the past couple? Well, you have to keep your hot hands hot. You need to get Chris Bell an early look because, again, that was a decider in the Miami game. Him just hitting a couple of threes down the stretch to keep a five-point lead from turning into eight or keep Miami at bay. Because against the size and the length of Florida State, where you've got four or five players that are 6'5 to 6'7 and very well built and older, and then you've also got Baba Miller, who is 6'11, 215 pounds maybe, but does a ridiculous job of protecting the rim because he's so athletic. Like he's, he's not your typical six eleven plotting big man. Right. Like he will hand the ball. So he's really good around the rim. Um, I just, I just don't see Syracuse having as much success getting inside, but if you keep the three point shooters going, it doesn't, again, you don't need to shoot, 12, you don't need to make 12, but just make a couple in the first few minutes to keep Florida State honest and then create one-on-one matchups for your guys. Because Syracuse, even though Florida State will play fast and has a nice def- defensive efficiency rating, Syracuse is the best player on the floor Yep, in Judamitz. Well, the Orange have an opportunity to make it four of their last five, Ian. And as we are here in mid to late January now, feels like things are trending in the right direction for the Qs and a big opportunity to make it stay that way come Tuesday. We told you about Florida State, their loss to Clemson last time out, only two conference losses. And again, we mentioned that common opponent game earlier. 
FSU lost by single digits to North Carolina earlier on in the year. That was back in early December before you really got into the meat and potatoes of conference play. So take from that what you will as the Orange gear up for the Seminoles come Tuesday night. It is a 7 o'clock tip inside the Dome. As you mentioned earlier, Ian, students are back. Orange have momentum on their side. Sure, it'll be a packed house and should be a lot of fun in the JMA Dome come Tuesday, Syracuse and FSU. We will be back on Friday to break it all down and look ahead to the NC State Wolfpack when Syracuse welcomes them to Central New York on Saturday night. But until then, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. As always, be sure to throw us a follow over on Twitter at F68 underscore Cuse, part of the Field of 68 podcast network. You can check out all sorts of stuff across the college basketball sphere. And go ahead and throw me and Ian a follow on Twitter while you're at it as well. I'm at Johnny G. Witz. Ian is at IUNZY, I-U-N-Z-Y underscore on the end of that. Thanks so much for sticking with us. An exciting win for the Cuse over the weekend against Miami. We'll find out how it translates against the Seminoles coming up Tuesday night. We'll talk to you at the end of the week. Enjoy the game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.